Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have an incredible show for you this week. The main event is a multiple world record holder. She's a magician, a circus artist, and she works at NASA on the Artemis Project. April Choi is my guest. We discuss what it takes to hold world records, setting them yourself, and a lot more. Nick Lacapo joins me on the show to discuss the feature product of the week from Neil Juva. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians tell me all about their favorite magic in no particular order, but we put them on a clock just to add some drama. This week, Eric Casey, creator of POW and Poker Test 2.0, joins me for the top five under five. Eric Casey, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes, and these can be in no particular order, but just for order's sake, let's start with number five. Number five would have to be throwing it back to a classic of the Invisible Deck. Oh, yeah. I, I but, love uh, the Invisible Deck. Yeah. I don't know how many times that's been said on the podcast, but I guarantee I'm not the first because, dear God, it's just so good. It, it really is. I mean, if, you've, if yeah. you've never, if you're a newer magician or you're, you've focused on different types of magic, you know, you have a deck of cards, someone can name any card and it is the only card facing the other way in the deck. Uh, and the, the classic way of doing it is great, but I, I have to say I've seen some updated handlings of it. In fact, I just filmed a lecture with Craig Petty where he uses it for like a double prediction that is, Ooh, okay. where not only, where not only does he predict the celebrity that they would say, but the celebrity's favorite card that they would have thought it's really that's really fun. cool i like that a lot yeah so that too i use it more as an out it's mm-hmm. always in my pocket if i mess something up it's like oh well i didn't mess up boom here it is yeah it's the greatest tool to make you look even better my best tricks usually are when i mess up and have the invisible deck and then everyone's like that was amazing i'm like that wasn't the plan but hey like <laughs> there you go it's an invaluable tool all right invisible yeah. deck strong start let's move on to number four uh, I mean, I really am just a lover of the classics. So I have to go with uh, the Raven, honestly. Oh, I and then love the I, Raven. I was obsessed with it when I was like 12, 13. And then watching Nick's handling again, it's the same thing where like made me like revisit the classics. I'm like, Nick has reinvented this trick in a way that is just blowing my mind. You should check out the demo for the Raven because Nick's got some really cool moves on there. I actually just bought a, a jacket so that I could start wearing yeah. the Raven all the time. I love it. I will. I say, oh, I wear a, a button-up floral, and then I do mm-hmm. the through the the buttons, so mm-hmm. I can do short sleeve raven stuff. The world's greatest vanishing device. It's an incredible utility device for magician. The raven is also great. All right, let's move on to number three. Um, so this one's not released yet, but when this podcast releases, maybe it will be. But it's one of mine. It's um, it's called the expression test, and uh, it's one of my favorite card tricks. To a point that like when I started really doing it, it was the only trick I knew. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like someone would ask me to do a trick. And it's simply the only trick I could think of at the time because I was just so obsessed with performing it. So what is the expression test? What is that? What so is it? Give me the cliff notes. Yeah, the cliff notes. So it's like uh, my take on the uh, fiddle trick, but you never actually find their card. Um, and you're just showing them these four cards and you're like, I'm going to slowly get to your card, hopefully, mm-hmm. like just by reading your expression. And then you're placing the cards one by one in their hand. And they're like, yeah, you you didn't ever show me my card. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Well, you get them to say their card, you divine their card, whatever, you snap, and then their card turns uh, face up in their hands, and then the entire four of a kind in their hand as well. Oh, I, I love that. That sounds like a great trick. All right, let's keep this train rolling and move on to number two. Number two is the uh, it's an expanded shell on either a quarter or a half dollar. 
Um, and just the amount of stuff you can do with an expanded shell is is kind of like you know the best go-to gimmick not really a trick but just like a tool you know no i love it but i love specifically that you chose not just the half dollar but the quarter version because quarter's the best yeah being able to do expanded shell tricks with a quarter is is devastating because lay people never suspect gimmick quarters it's great yeah exactly all right um so yeah and then number one is that where we're going yeah let's well let's go to number one i think i know what it is because i know you You guess do you want to say it do is it is it poker test 2.0 it has to be. Of course it is. It's been, what, 15 years? Dog, stop drinking water right now. <laughs> Dude, hey. These Eric, dogs, man. Eric, Eric and I are, are both podcasting with dogs in the room right now. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. But tell everyone what Poker Test 2.0 is before we let your dog take over the rest of the podcast. Of course. it's So it's the greatest opener in all of Magic. Um, there's no doubt about that. It's the, uh, you show five blank cards with either a red back, blue back, uh, and then one by one everything starts changing if you know one card turns into an ace but then the backs change colors either to you know one solid or you could do rainbow or and then out of nowhere it's a royal flush so it's uh everything just changes completely in front of them and there's no slights at all no slights involved i love that it's no slights but i also love that you can customize it so that if you if you work with like a designer deck you can just choose yeah. a designer deck i mean it's it's a really really clever yeah. uh, piece of kit and i know that i've got one and i like performing it as well my so my favorite thing to pro tip is uh, I think Josh J has a rainbow deck or no the prism deck yes. yeah and it's just like absurd backs so if you do that you actually can start with a bunch of crazy backs but a blank face um, and so that looks just kind of like obscure or as John Hinton would do it you do a bunch of jokers so it's crazy backs jokers and then you're like what's the bottom card and they're like maybe like the postcard but it's a joker and you're like no it's an ace what's the back and they're like dude they're all nuts like i don't know what the backs were you're like yeah. no it's just a red back like what are you talking about and it's a royal flush it looks wild it's a really fun way to do it john hinton brought it up on uh when he was on the podcast and i'm, I'm glad to hear about it again especially for the creator well eric casey thanks so much for joining us on the top five under five those are five amazing effects thanks to eric casey for joining me on the show we have a number of other episodes with eric joining me on the mic and they're all worth the listen now on to the main event April Choi is something of an interesting enigma. She's an expert with a whip, rides fast motorcycles, performs spectacular card magic, and works on some of the most important missions to space that the United States has going at the moment. She's listed in the Guinness Book of World Records, and it doesn't take long watching her social media to find out why. She's incredibly talented, and the magicians that like her content are a who's who of the people in the know where some of the most talented people in the world are lurking. April, join me via Zoom, and now you get to join our conversation. April Choi, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. About three or four times a year, I always try and get an allied artist in here to find out what's going on on the other side of things. And I've been following your career with great interest. I know Brent Braun is a big fan of yours. Uh, Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I appreciate it. So for those of you, for our listeners who don't know you, you are... You have collected how many world records now? Uh, 19 Guinness World Records and approximately 40 from various different record or record-keeping organizations. What? How? How does? How did that become a hobby? I guess. <laughs> uh, I was a full-time performer for several years, and during that time, I was requested by a number of shows, uh, fairs, conventions. Uh, television shows to do a couple of world records for them uh, and that just continued down as events and reputation grew so more places were like hey would you want to do a record 
um, at our convention or at our festival and we organized it. So I did it for another convention and then another festival um, and then contacted by Guinness World Records directly to do a couple things for their book, for their social media platforms. Um, and then it grew from there. And most of the records that you've set are typically sort of in the sort of juggling uh, yep. sort of whip realm. What, what was the most recent record that you set? Uh, the most recent record that has been official, I think, was probably, let me think. Um, so I did recently do another attempt, which we were believed to be successful at, and we handed that in, but I can't say it in case somebody tries to break it before it becomes <laughs> official and then doesn't get put in there. For the book, I think... Um, Oh, what got put in the book? Uh, oh, most flowers cut from the hand. I think that was around 55? <laughs> number of flowers cut from... Sorry, my wife is behind me, and I feel like she'd remember the number better than me. <laughs> you Do you remember? Okay, and it's 50-something. And this is uh, cut with a whip, correct? Yes, most how, flowers cut from the hand with a whip. That's it. How do you decide on a record to set? And then how do you go about preparing to set the record? So there's kind of two paths. If it's from my side, uh, I will either peruse uh, record setter slash online world records slash elite world records slash Google or sorry, Guinness World Records to see what record there are mm -hmm. um, or something like for Adam Winrich, he recently set the most balloons popped in a minute. Um, he held it uh, before me. I got it from him, and then I got it back, or he got it back. Um, so I just saw it online from one of my other friends who also are record breakers, so we'll trade records. Um, and then from the other side, the television show or a convention or event will be like, hey, I know you're a record breaker. We are doing something with fire. Uh, would you like to come from... Uh, come out as an instructor or performer for fire drums and break a fire whip world record. So then I worked directly with the organization or Guinness World Records themselves when they reached out to me uh, for their social media and for their um, publication. They specifically asked for a record that was related to either balancing arts or Jenga or something else similar. So then I worked with the organization to develop a world record for their event. It's... um. It it's really fascinating that, that you were a, that you're trading records with people, but B that you're working directly with these world record breaking organizations. Uh, because it seems because like so often we see the world records, we think of them like in the context of like Olympics where it's like a speed or a weight or, or something like that. Whereas this is, um, it's not quite arbitrary, but it's, um, but it is still focused on highlighting a skill. That is correct. There are, there are record-keeping organizations that are kind of more for fun. They're not as stringent. So the reason Guinness World Records is most famous for like being a record-keeping organization is because they're so stringent. Mm -hmm. um, record setter, it's essentially, hey, shuffle a deck of cards. Once you get it on video, just send it to it as somebody will like check a box. But with like Guinness World Records, it required uh, expert in that field. So like a magician or somebody who knows card mechanics well enough to define a record. Mm -hmm. The definition of a shuffle, so it can't be like uh, a pharaoh shuffle would count, but like just 
three packets into each other wouldn't count as a shuffle, so it had to be clearly a defined shuffle. Mm. Um, witnesses, so that means there had to be people who would sign a piece of paper saying, I am a citizen in good standing, uh, I saw the thing, she did in fact do this. Timekeepers, uh, multiple timekeepers, so that they can correlate and collaborate on that. Then many of the records require slow motion video, uh, normal motion video, um, and then slow motion video be static. So there's like 10 or more pieces of evidence that requires to be certified in order to get those records through Guinness. Um, and that's why they're kind of the most famous record keeping organization other than like the Olympic Committee mm -hmm. or records that pertain to a specific field, such as like the World Cubing Association for Rubik's Cubes. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, and they but there these like Guinness and these different organizations all sort of work together when when it is something like that where it, it would affect like a large group of people correct yeah so Guinness defers to most of its sports to sport federations so either the Olympic Committee or I think there is something that's specifically for track and field and racing, um, or they defer to the World Cubing Association for cube solving records, uh, so on and so forth. So if there's another international federation, mm -hmm. um, I think Joshua J worked with, um, I think it was the International Brotherhood of Magicians or Society of American Magicians to do his for the most number of card reveals in a minute. So then mm -hmm. they could collaborate together so that they would agree. So therefore, you don't have one record source saying one thing and another record source saying disagreeing with that record. But it does result in if they don't, um, like my record on Guinness for the fastest whip, which is the fastest time to hit 10 targets with a whip, mm -hmm. is 2.5. But on Record Setter, it's 2.3 because the requirements was slightly different. Mm -hmm. um, and I did not do the Record Setter record in front of a set of witnesses. It was mm -hmm. only a video account. Um, it was during one of my practice sessions, so I just videotaped all my records to see what things I might need to tweak. And therefore, I got it on a better time than when I had to do it in front of people. It's it's amazing. What what led you down the path of of whip cracking as a as a method of a entertainment and b uh, record setting? Because it's just I when I was much younger, my early one of my early mentors in uh, in juggling was Scott and Joan Houghton, and they had a bull whip act uh, that they did on stage. And it's just you don't come across people who perform with a bullwhip very often. It seems like it's one of those things that's almost like passed down from, from you know, artist to artist. It very, it very much seems to be passed down from a person to a person. Like, Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Electric Sensation by Neil Juba. Nick LaCapo joined me via Zoom to discuss this shocking card gimmick. Nick, you know I've got these like clients that are always demanding extremely specific tricks. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got a call the other day and this guy says, I need you to come do a card trick, but I need some, I need it to be a shocking card trick. <laughs> I need people to feel like they've, they've been electrified. Do you, do Who we have this? It's, I can't. You're getting I, calls from Dr. Doom over there? Yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm performing at the uh, Legion of Supervillains. Uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve. Party. What, what do I, what do I take? What do I take? Oh, well, so there's this, let me let me recommend you uh, a really interesting thing that I think flew under some radars here. Electric Sensation by Neil Juva. This is a gimmick card that you can add to your deck that will give the illusion of electrifying your audience. Uh, not crazy, you know, nothing nothing crazy, just a little shock. But that's all that's all that you need. 
so there's tricks and things that you can do, but really this device allows you to create that magic moment that makes other things happen, right? Like you did you did you feel the did you feel the shock? Yes, and then the card changes in their hand or did you feel the shock and maybe that's the the moment where you extract the the thought from their head you know to know what card they're just thinking of or what name they're thinking of so it's this really versatile gimmick that you can have in your deck that creates that shock but with no electricity at all yeah i think that's the thing to sort of keep in mind here is that there are there is no electricity so there's no batteries there's no capacitors no electronics uh it's a a physical sensation so it actually does feel like you're getting shocked it's almost like a like a little static shock like if you were yeah it does not hurt no (laughs) no it's it's more of a surprise than anything else yeah it's more it's just enough to surprise them exactly that um just enough to surprise them so whether or not they believe they're shocked it it doesn't really matter it's something has happened they won't know how and then almost more importantly the people around them are going to actually think like what did what did they just feel right because of this uh, special gimmicked card that can just live in your deck of cards so very interesting um device that you can you know it'd be interesting to, to see i know there's people out there using that i've just I've not heard about what what anybody has done with it because you can create really cool moments. Uh, you can check out the demo on Penguin. You'll see uh, the, the the reactions that it gets from people. I mean, it's it's definitely a trick that always gets a reaction. Electric Sensation by Neil Juva. Check it out. That was Electric Sensation by Neil Juva, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the incredible listeners to the show receive 25% off the feature product of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is ZAPPED. That's Zapped, Z-A-P-P-E-D, for 25% off Electric Sensation. That code is only good for Electric Sensation and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with April Choi. The person who got into me, his name is Brian Shank, uh, goes by Phoenix, a Phoenix Fire production. Um, He taught me whip cracking, Mm -hmm. um, and then he got me into fire performing. He brought me into, I think it was the 2012, may have been, 2011 or 2013 it was whenever the super bowl was in indianapolis so he's a fire performer based out of indianapolis um and they did what's referred to as super bowl village which is basically a week-long party uh up to the super bowl (laughs) and invited me to be one of the performers so i got to like train practice and perform along a phenomenal bullwhip or a whip artist and fire performer and that kind of kick-started my career into whip um and then I think I accelerated super fast because I have a very strong fundamentals in um, fluid dynamics and uh, kinematics and dynamics of mechanical bodies. So therefore, like I could utilize my knowledge of how uh, mass tapering occurs in a whip to do things like the world's longest whip, which for record center is at 365.4 feet, I believe, for the length of a whip, about 111.1 meters. And then for Guinness, I've held that record, but they since changed their rules a little bit. So once again, my Guinness World Record and my Record Setter World Record um, have two different numbers. How do you even begin to crack a whip that is over 100 meters long? (laughs) (laughs) There's a few methods. Um, You can put a lot of tension on it by having somebody at the other end hold it. Uh, So I had one of my best friends for a couple of the shows hold the end. Um, and therefore, we put tension on it. And when it releases that tension, it cracks. You can fold over the end. So 
for those who have used whips that are longer than like 30 feet, mm-hmm. you put a little bite in the end, B-I-G-H-T, mm-hmm. uh, and then you roll the whip out. And as it throws, uh, pulls back, it'll pull along and kick out that end. And then that reversal of lineal momentum, its relative velocity uh, ends up being exceeding that of uh, Mach 1. Um, so like its absolute velocity relative to the ground may not, but because it goes forward and then backwards, um, is able to produce uh, a small little bow shock um, or a transient shock necessary to produce a crack. Um, and there's a couple ways, like throwing a loop, you can have it one end, you can stake it down. Um, the, the amount of pressure to stake it in the ground changes so that when you crack it, it slides out from under the stake um, and that loop kicks up into the air, makes a crack and then comes back down. So those are kind of three ways that people have cracked whips over, say, 100, 200 foot range. That is wild. Also, I should note for our, our listeners, there's a lot of uh, physics talk going on right now because <laughs> you're not just a performer. You also work at NASA. <laughs> uh-huh, I work at Kennedy Space Center. You work at Kennedy Space Center? That's, that's that is where, correct. That's where we send people to the moon and the space station and that stuff. Yeah, no. Uh, you guys can't see on camera right now, but I have a logo on my arm of the Artemis program um, putting the first... Uh, woman and person of color on the moon. We just successfully did a launch last, oh God, now it's been two years and we completed landing and recovery last February. Uh, so I got that tattoo uh, because we completed that and currently working out um, in operations to get the next launch up and running. How do you go from record setting bullwhip artist to putting a woman on the moon? <laughs> that was a fluke that was i did that to spite my wife <laughs> um seriously though uh we came down to orlando um to go visit family uh we were like what is there to do in the central florida area there is you know kennedy space center and nasa you can go visit and take a look at things and my wife's like you like science and stuff you should totally apply and I told her that there's no way I'd get accepted. And she said, you should apply anyways. So despite her, so I could say, I told you so, I applied with the full intent of a month later getting a rejection letter and going back up to Bethany and being like, see, I told you so. <laughs> uh, lo and behold, they called me for an interview instead. And I somehow managed to get that job. That is that is unreal. I, how... Have you found yourself using some of your magic skills or circus skills uh, over the course of your work with NASA? Or, or yeah, we we ahead. did a couple of uh, uh, we did NAFEMS, which is the National I forgot the A for Finite Element Methods. I think an association. It's a simulation conference, and it happened. Uh, there's the World NAFEMS Congress, and it turns out a couple of people from Siemens, as in the software company, also happen to be card mechanics and magicians. Uh, so we had a small little like card jam session, um, and it strengthened relationships there. Um, and every so often, we'll call up one of those people, and they're like, hey, I'll want to trade a trick or two. Um, and then it just strengthens those relationships. So now I have somebody I regularly talk to that I need to talk to about various different softwares that we utilize, um, in mechanical engineering to do analysis on space hardware. I, I think we heard it here first that, uh, it is, it is card magic that is helping (laughs) to continue to move scientific progress forward. And I think that that I just I think this is basically proof that card magic is one of the most important things that we can be doing as a human race. (laughs) 
I mean, it connected me with like I just got back from L.A. WhipCon, the Los Angeles Whip Convention, um, just uh, Sunday, and we I met a couple of magicians out there, and we spent a good chunk just jamming over like various different ways of doing like the strike second deal and Mm -hmm. he was giving me like little things of whether or not you want to do that strike with your pinky because it gives you a little bit more cover Mm -hmm. doing your third finger because it looks more natural because naturally you'll turn that little over your uh, second and thumb uh versus using your your middle finger which gives you the most exposure but it's also the easiest to reveal things so there's like different ways you could do a wrist kill to kind of cover that up and turn it sideways um, and running your, like, we we jammed out on so many small intricacies of the strike sec. Sorry. Uh, it was just double lift that it was just, like, it was just fun to yeah. do. Uh, and I know you're working at NASA full-time now, but are you, you're still fairly active performing, aren't you? Uh, I mean, I have something lined up for this weekend as well, though, uh, that may have to change due to um, my wife is unfortunately sick with a COVID Oh. Uh, yeah, so we're probably going to have to cancel that. But I still do, I would say, somewhere between. I mean, I take some ambient gigs in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more than 10, but less than 20 events a year now. Mm-hmm. While as a full-time performer, it was like I needed to have consistent income. So yeah. I had to do either event or a bunch of commissions every week. Well, uh, April, thank you so much for, for spending some time with us here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. We'll include some links down below uh, so that people can see some of your amazing uh, bullwhip artistry. And, uh, and good luck getting people to the moon. Thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Eric. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to April for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Well, it's that time of year again, kids. Magicians from all over the world are descending on Columbus, Ohio for Magi Fest. While you're in town, there are a couple of things you should know about. If you've ever wanted to come see the Penguin Magic Studios, I'm happy to make that happen. Come on by and say hello. We'll have a show Thursday night, and the rest of the week, the Penguin Magic Brick and Mortar Magic Shop is open. We have every single Penguin product in one convenient location. Plus, myself, Nick Lacapo, and many of your favorite penguin faces will be on hand to say hello. If you're looking for somewhere to eat, look no further than Town Hall in the Short North from noon to two on Saturday and Sunday. Penguin magicians have been providing the magic there, the walk-around magic, for over a year now. And I'll be there working the gig, performing uh, some brand new close-up tricks tableside. If you've ever wanted to see your favorite magicians work for real people, stop by for brunch. I guarantee you'll see something cool. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you've been following my fight with a certain, you know what, gonna keep it profesh. Let's just say I had a less than stellar customer service experience this weekend while traveling, and I will be taking to my personal social media, because in the famous words from Futurama, war were declared. But if you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to... OMG, I am so mad I can't even come up with a joke right here. Hit me on Insta, at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. Perform.